yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Welcome to episode 245 in the Inside HBCU Sports Lab radio show podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports. From institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetic, facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington's out on assignment. I'm not sure what Charles is doing, but it looks like he's having some fun. Charles, I use that man to know what's going on. It's just obvious. What you doing, man? What you doing? Well, you know, I'm out here at courtside, uh, Texas Southern and Southern right now getting on. We're in the second quarter. Texas Southern's up 47 to 16. We've gotten off to a hot start here in the second quarter. Uh, a couple of things to take notice of. Adrian Adrian, uh, one of Texas Southern's leading scorers. She's one of the top scorers in the swag. She already has eight points. And another top scorer in the swag. Their offense is really cooking this far. Yeah, man, it's fascinating to see this game. We should have some guests come in and give us some insights. If you see Charles coming in, give us some insights right there and let you know so you get a piece of the action. Behind him, it's going down. And, yes, they're live. We're here. So I can't say we're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live. While we are sending a signal live to KCW Show 30 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Fame and Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home. Bartlow Arena? Is that Birmingham, Alabama? Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah, Bart, Bartlow Arena, exactly. <laughs> hey, it, it is what it is. So we're live. We're live. This is a live remote. So we can give it to you. So today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab, sponsored by THE Agency, LLC. THE Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. We have a lot in store for you today. Professor Drew, I can't ask you how are you doing today. Jealous, because y'all are in Birmingham, the Bartow Arena, and I'm just here in South Georgia, just sitting up here, had my uh, ESPN Plus on, but, uh, you know, obviously y'all catching the atmosphere live, I'm just catching the atmosphere via osmosis. And I'm actually in the media room, so if we have to shut down and get ready for them to do interviews, we'll have to make it do with it, too. But we'll see how long this lasts. But uh, shout out to all the lab listeners out there. We're doing something different for you. We told you we're going to keep bringing you excitement, and you'll see a little more of this during football season as well. You've seen us do the live remotes to give you the uh, football media day, to see you the celebration boat. Now we're in here giving you – uh, the SWAC basketball tournament. And we're going to travel around, give you some other HBCU conferences out there and give you that love. But let me give a shout out to those that all make this possible in terms of supporting it. Sherman Miller is on here. Michael Ford, Herman Shelton, brother Sherman. Let me give you a little, little give you a little alpha for that. Lecture time for Michael Ford. Ricky Burden's on here. Michael Ford says, been here in class waiting for the professor. Yes, Benjamin Richardson, we're here now. Kay Johnson say, yay, time for class 245. We got Anthony Weston in here. What's up, everyone? Yeah, we're going to check out your Alabama a Bulldogs and FAMU later tonight. That's the men's game that tips off uh, after this one. We'll give you some updates and things of that nature. That's much later, but we'll be in here so we can give you updates as we come back next week. This is the G. Hashtag, this is the G. The G got it done on the men's side against Southern. Man, that was an exciting game going back and forth. Then you talk about the game last night, all corn and prairie view. Oh, my goodness. One for the ages. Mary Alice says hello. Who else we got in here? Thomas White Jr. is checking us out. What's up, Tom? Jalen Riley, Christopher Darrell. I know that. Is that easy in here? Talking about the lab, the lab, the lab. Sierra Gordon. Who else we got shut up? Brian Lowe. Uh, Jackson. 
in here. Martin in here. Let's 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 see what else we got. Willie Alex Hines says good evening, Doctor Professor Bishop, Professor A D. Drew, I'm virtually covering the MEAC tournament. All right, give us some updates on what's going on there. We're gonna give some updates as well, but tell us what the atmosphere is down there. Go ahead and type in here and let us know. Arby Parker, Edwin Dwight, John Jenkins. Let's go get it into the show and see what we got as we continue to move forward. Let's take our first break and we'll come back right back after this break. We're gonna keep rolling. You wanna roll a little bit? But let's yeah. get into some news as we uh, move into that. Charles, what type of news do you want to get off your chest? Or uh, in terms of what latest, what has been behind the scene? What is all the talk in terms of what you've heard over the start of things yesterday and today? You know, mute y'all. I think you talked about it during this course of the basketball season, talking about the parity uh, that we've seen over the men's and women's side. Uh, and it's been nip tuck. It has come down to the wire. Heartbreaker last night uh, for Prairie View and Alcorn. Uh, we saw Prairie View with a late, late lead, and Alcorn fight uh, back to uh, take that game. Uh, I tell you what, each game that we've watched, it has been nip and tuck. Even Jackson State's win. Uh, going up against uh, their opponent. Uh, it, it was a, a tight game down the finish. But I tell you what, it's been fun. This one right here, I promise, it's a 4 5 seed. It's going to tighten up. That's been the the time of the show in terms of how things just tighten up and converge. But we said that going to the tournament. Oh. You even said that a matchup that uh, gave you some pause was UAPB and Jackson State, and it lived up to it. I told you don't worry about it, though, as I was sitting next to you. I saw you tighten up a little bit. And then I thought you were just as big of a fan as any person. I seen you doing your, uh, ah, talking about last night. With the, like his, but it was a lot of folks that, you know, you talk about this time of the season and the underdog, you can tell that a lot of folks were wanting to see Prairie View get it done, not necessarily because they were fans of Prairie View, but because of the underdog and they saw how hard they fought but just couldn't get it done. Kudos to the Braves in terms of a team, a regular season champion. They showed you the heart of a champion. With that being said, I just want to get into this because this is brought up, and it's a good point. I just want to talk about this too. Is the inconsistency of the referees, not necessarily bad calls, but just the inconsistency on even in within a game on one side of the throughout the game, even on a different side of a team. It's just been really inconsistent in some ways. Not that I've seen it cause a change in the game, but it does just disrupt your ability to watch the game in a different way. Yeah, I think the game have been a little herky-jerky, if you will. Uh, we've seen some physical contact, but we thought fouls should have been called. Uh, we've seen some, some nip-tuck fouls. So I think that's been sort of an underlying thing, like you mentioned about before. Uh, inconsistency sometimes in the calls, but uh, it has made for another subplot in the game with some bell. So uh, I tell you, all these things fun to cover, fun to watch, and uh, you know, I'm excited uh, even more as we uh, go towards championship Saturday. Hey, give us a score and update before we go to Drew and ask him some thoughts on a couple of things. Good thing, uh, score right there, right on the 20 seconds left. Texas Southern's up 29 26 over Southern. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Tyler Bridges, uh, only two points thus far for the Adriana Abanks. He's been uh, carrying the scoring load thus far for the Texas Southern Tigers. And the Southern Jaguars is thinking over the Johnson. Man, appreciate that. Anthony Weston was not quite as nice as us. He said he's really pissing uh, you so off. Yeah, Andy Drew, I know you've been calling the department from watching what has been your thoughts on everything thus far? The competitiveness of not only the SWAC tournament, but the MEAC tournament. And what I mean by competitiveness, not the fact that the everything's pretty much gone chalk, uh, like you thought. But there ha there's been no blowouts at this point in time in the tournament. Even, even your 1-8 games, 
were competitive, both on the men and the women's side of both of these tournaments. Obviously, we know Jackson State women had the scare with UAPB hanging around to the last minute last night, and then uh, Prairie View singing an Alcorn into overtime. But in the MEAC, you've had pretty much the same thing, just the competitive nature of tournament basketball. You saw a Delaware State team that has been over the year gave Norfolk a good run last night. And then, oh, by the way, we did have we did have the upset today with Howard losing uh, earlier today. So just the competitiveness of these teams, a lot of them beating for the third time. They say it's hard to beat a team three times, and this shows why. Yeah, great point, Saj. You see them going into the locker room. Good action by Charles as Texas Southern is going into the locker room halftime. Let's go to Charles, at least get us a halftime score. I know a lot of y'all are watching the game and watching us, but just for those that are not, you're moving around, you want to get into action. Charles, give us a halftime score and update. Mute. Go Take your mute. Go, you on mute. Sorry about that. Uh, Texas Southern's up on Southern 31 to 26. That's uh, far. Uh, uh, Appreciate you putting in that extra work. Sideline, you bring in some of that deep pregame show with your sideline report. You bring in that inside Clinical professor, we may put it in the practice. Professor of practice, I don't know what we want to call you, but you know, we're just gonna call you Professor Bishop. How about that? But that being said, oh yeah, let's talk about this. Squeeze us in here a little bit. We had four HBCU football players that competed in the 22 NFL Combine: Joshua Williams, the Kobe Durant. And uh, Jay Tyree Carter, as well as um, who am I missing here? Uh, in terms of those, but I know this is a lot of the rent the heat range really has a lot of buzzing. Obviously, you have fan you. Cornerback, uh, I, I can't back think of his name right now. Uh, top of my head, but he actually had a good time. Who? Elijah Bell. Yeah, Marcus Elijah Bell. Bell. I know Drew was there. Marcus Bell. I'm just mad because they got the spread. You know, Bandy, South Carolina State. And I'm telling you, but with that being said, let me go to you, Drew, for a little while and ask you about Isaiah in terms of what we are talking in terms of. What you're hearing of how he performed at the combine, and I want Charles to talk about his about the combine. And it's kind of hard for me to hear it in the background. Did you ask me about the combine there, Doc? Yeah, just ask you about Isaiah. Tell me what you heard and thought about Isaiah. Oh, I mean, we already knew what this, what yeah, this brother do. could do. That's right. We and, and, you know, any, anybody in HBCU football knew what this brother could do. But for him to go in, put up those kind of numbers, uh, you know, 40 times and cone drills and, and everything else that, that, they, that they do, you know, more power to them. And, you know, the, the one thing I, uh, I, I think is good f- – for these athletes, especially these HBCU athletes, is yeah, we know what they can do on the field. The question is, what do they do when they get into the interviews in the 15 minutes that the teams get to talk to them while they are there? You know, are they coming through uh articulate, educated? Because you know those are the those are the words that they use. Is he articulate? Is he educated? Can he can he handle himself? Does he have character? Will he fit into the culture of our locker room? Those are the things that those uh, general managers and those and those scouts are looking for in those. And and unfortunately, all it takes is one stutter or mis- uh, misplaced word in your interview, and that's their that's their excuse to eliminate you. So, uh, you know, I hope that they did well in that portion of it because we know what they can do on the field. 
I'm going to go to you, Charles. Same question, but talk a little bit about the COVID. How excited did you hear everybody talk about what you're hearing, his ability to show up and show out with that 4.38 seconds in the 40-yard 40 yard, 40 yard dash? Well, I think that was a I think that was a theme that you uh, saw within the scouting uh, combine uh, this past uh, combine. Uh, really off the chart. He did not do anything. I tell you what, we took a look at the sort of team that he is. We saw them celebration ball. He's great. Uh, the Jackson State was doing a tremendous job. Uh, celebration ball. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, he was a really, really special player. Really uh, showed himself uh, tremendously over there. Are you still getting ready? Get your phones out. Pull up the cue on your app. Good stuff, good stuff, Charles. Let me say this. I didn't hear about this, but um, Anthony Weston has confirmed this. He said Akil Glass did really well during his pro day. Um, he is quoting and saying Glass and AM said that he had a wonderful pro day and was making all the throws. So that is great news. Again, as Professor Drew would say, that is the expectation. That's what we saw all season long. So it's good that he had a good workout. In terms of that buzzwords for he's black and can't communicate effectively. Yeah, you do hear that, unfortunately. <laughs> that still is out there. I actually got a call just to give you an update. I got a call in regards to um, in, in terms of the New York Times was doing an interview with me and wanting to get some quotes in terms of asking me about them throwing out the wonder lick, right? And they also were um, talking about some of these other tests they did um, at the NFL. What did that mean? So, you know, I tied it in from an academic perspective with going on. We got a guest. I want to belabor the So, we're going to bring her transition to bring her on to the camera as we talk about. In here, talk to everybody. So, give us your thoughts in terms of the tournament thus far. Um, in terms of what you saw. You can give us a little update in terms of this first half first. Then you can kind of go back and just talk in general. All right, all right. So right now, Texas Southern women and Southern women are playing, and it's a really close game. Uh, at the half, Texas Southern is up by five. It's a real battle out there. Um, number four, uh, the, the names are escaping me right now, but uh, – uh, is, is doing uh, really well every time she's in. She's able to shut down Southern's main player, number 25. Um, but when she's not in there, 25 is really dominating. So that's Fleming for Southern. Yeah. Chloe Fleming. Uh, Chloe Fleming. Shutting down she got Ashley game. Austin, if you're talking about from Texas Southern. Okay. And they're done a little bit. Yes, yes. And, and the short point guard. So it's an exciting match. Overall, the tournament is really has really been it's exciting. A little bit of this soccer tournament, like <laughs> <laughs> exciting match. Oh, it's a tennis now, uh, doc. <laughs> across the board, I'm just looking at the level of play, um, and and the athletes is just continuing to elevate consistently, and of course, the transfer portal helps. Um, hmm, but just it's exciting games. No, there's no blowouts. You know, um, my teams are out for you, but uh, watching Coop, the refined, semi-refined Coop, uh, doing <laughs> doing her thing, it's just really exciting. It just brings me back to the times when I played conference tournament time and just snap, uh, having that different mentality, switching to just the most fierce competitor I can be. You know, you see uh, people getting each other's faces, talking their mess. It's, it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to see the passion and fighting for the W. So, yeah. Let me follow up with the questionnaire when you talk about that, having to have that experience. What was that intensity like for you? Or what were some of the things? Take us behind from a player's perspective. I know the different players do different things, but at least we can get your perspective. What did you do, like, the evening before, you know, the tournament? and Or a big game, I guess you could say. And then leading up maybe – into that morning what were some of the things that you considered doing during that process well for me as you can probably tell I've always been somewhat of a zen type person 
And I've always needed to be just calm because I felt like if I got too hyped, I would exert too much energy and then I'd be tired at the tip off. But for me, it was really important to get shots up. Um, I would be in the gym about two and a half hours before anyone got in there, if I could, and um, get my regimen up. And that's pretty much this system of uh, shooting at the five points, uh, five points out. So pretty much shooting on every angle of the floor. So by the time game time came, I was just ready to get the ball and release. So, uh, and then using visualization is a big thing for me because I believe in manifesting your life. And so I would imagine myself making all my shots and crossing people over and elbowing and getting the rebound. each time I came into the tournament that when I wasn't hurt, um, that we always had the number one position. So understanding the responsibility of that and not wanting to get knocked off or embarrassed and knowing the goal was to really get to the NCAA, it just really um, made me transform to a space of understanding what it is to be a champion and then utilizing my teammates because we had some really great <laughs> three times, three times. Yeah. And I had some really great teammates, really great guards. I didn't have to do everything. A lot of athletes now, you have to be the point and the shooting guard and the forward. And by the time you're ready to score, you all out of gas. But um, I was able to be released because I had good guards. So just, just knowing the strategy, locking in and um, getting to a quiet space and just being ready to leave it all on the court. Either you win or you die. <laughs> I like it. I like it. To your yeah. point, uh, let me follow up one, and then we'll transition and we'll get into some of these games and give people updates. I know our followers are update, but just for those that come back and sometimes watch this later, you had the opportunity to call the games at the SIEC. Yeah. Many people may not realize that you do that as well in terms of the talents that you provide. We're working on trying to make sure you can call some games in the future. Thank With you. that being said, that's most certainly. With that being said, tell us a little bit about, because we also have SIEC followers, CIAA followers on here, VA followers on here to check this out. Uh, talk, tell us a little bit about the SIEC. Uh, what was that experience? What was it like for our, our fans that have not had an opportunity uh, to check out the SIEC in terms of being there? Some followed it, obviously, from a television perspective. But share a little bit about that. Man, it was a really great tournament. Um, you know, when you're in the building, you forget that you're at a Division II um, style tournament because the level of talent is just really great. You see the same passion. You see the same fire in these athletes. Um, similar kind of games, upset, you know, March Madness. So there was some madness going on there. You know, everybody expected on the men's side for it to be Miles College and Morehouse. And they both uh, were upset by Benedict and Savannah State. So... Um, just seeing that and being there in that environment, some bands were there, people's cheerleaders were there. Uh, it was just really exciting. There's nothing like the HBCU spirit. You know, when you hear that bass, when you, when you feel the energy of the band, when you see the cheerleaders flipping all over the place and uh, pop lock and drop it, you know, just, <laughs> just to experience that is really, really fun. Uh, on top of that, seeing a uh, great quality of basketball and um, seeing the emotional aspect of it because this is the last game for a lot of the players who are seniors and um, had their seasons interrupted by COVID and all these things. So it was really great to see schools like Benedict and Clark Atlanta, Morehouse, and all these schools that um, you don't typically get to see in the SWAC. So, um, it was really great. It was really great, and and I, I'm biased, but I think the uh, the swag is um, just that much more powerful in the way that we uh, the way that we deliver what we do. And just if you come here every game, you know they're bringing the energy. The fans are coming in, supporting. The kids are screaming. Everybody's excited. So it's great to be in an environment like this after being in isolation for so long, or you know, abiding by all the protocols and then understanding what's going on in the world that's really heavy. It's really 
cool and fun to come and uh, share in this communion together and just be excited together. Thank you for sharing that. And this is a great point when you were able to shout out some of the schools and names. I like that. That was, that was pretty cool when we did that. <laughs> but as Charles is showing you, they're war warming up, uh, getting ready for the second half. I did think it was neat to see the floor, that the fact that the SWAC invested in bringing in the floor and having it done with the logos of the 12 members of the SWAC, six on one side, six on the other. The SWAC tournament logo there, Cricket Wireless SWAC basketball tournament presented by Mountain Dew in terms of the sponsorships. I thought that was really nice to see that. I did want to get into a little bit of discussion and give an update uh, as we get in there. And so you're welcome to stay around and you know, take in discussion or as I know you're out there covering it, that's up to you. Don't want to um, impede on too much of your time. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. I, this is a little bit of a bittersweet moment to me, though, because this is the court that I tore my ACL on, not the actual court, but this arena. So I'm facing some of my um, trauma coming here, but I'm all healed up. This is the future. I can hoop now without a break, so it's all good. But thank you for allowing me to share this time with you all. Man, that's good that you took us into that one and other three-time swag champion, Gatti or Rama, giving us some insight in terms of the basketball world, somebody that actually played the game. It's always neat uh, for us on the media side to get to talk to people that have actually done it yeah as you yeah. on the media as well so appreciate you. you appreciate all the time you love let's get into this uh talking about the MIAC in terms of some upstate updates there just wanted to talk about the men game I think uh Drew talked about this a little bit but you had uh Norfolk State on the men's side the number one seed defeating number eight seed Delaware State 74 to 66 you had the number two seed Howard being upset by the number seven seed, Cotton State, 59 to 57. These were Wednesday games. On the women's side, you had number eight, Delaware State, uh, losing to number one, Howard University, 87 to 51. Uh, everything went to chalk in terms of the women after that because you had Norfolk State, the number two seed, defeating the number seven seed, North Carolina Central. That was 58 to 52. So those were your MEAC updates on SWAC in terms of what took place Wednesday, a lot of folks have seen a little bit of this, but we'll tell you about it anyway. Uh, you had the number one seed, Alcorn State, defeat Prairie View, the number eight seed, 64 to 63 in overtime. It was a awesome game there. You had number two, Texas Southern, defeat number seven, Jackson State, 54 to 50. We were literally on the plane watching the first part of that game, Charles and I, and Jackson State was leading when we had to turn it off at eight minutes, two points, and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, uh, we got the message as we landed, and it was that Texas Southern found a way to come back and get it done. Anyway, it was exciting to kind of live through that, even on the plane. Who's going to do the internet thing on the plane, and the internet was not working on the plane? Can you believe that? Ready to pay for it. <laughs> Number one seed on the women's side, Jackson State. Got a bit of a square scare, even though at the end they really pulled off. But it was a very um, entertaining game. Number one, defeating number eight, that's Jack State over UAPB on the women's side, 78-67. Number two, Alabama A&M uh, gets upset by number seven, Grambling State, 62-54. to So a couple of upsets here and there, close games through all these, taking you to um, Thursday, and then I'll get you all to give you updates on any of these games you choose. On Thursday, uh, you have the women, because in the MEAC, they actually play the women's games as a set in terms of session. They play those in the morning and they play the men in the afternoon. And the SWAC is a little different. Many people may be familiar with this. They play a women's game in the morning and then a men's game as a session, and then they do the same thing in the afternoon. So women on Thursday, uh, in terms of the MEAC, you had a slight upset, five over four, Maryland Eastern Shore over Cobbin State, 73-65. Uh, you did have the number three seed getting it done, Morgan State defeating number six seed, South Carolina State, 66-53. Um, then, in terms of Thursday action, uh, we can give you the latest updates that are going on here. We have women. We had number four, uh, Alabama State, 60, defeating Prairie B&M, 58. Uh, the number five seed, staying in the chalk. Uh, you had, obviously, Southern Texas Southern, you got the halftime score there. 
getting ready for the second half. But in terms of what's going on there, little thoughts in terms of the action there, let me know your thoughts and give you an update. We'll give you some MEAC updates in terms of what's taking place Thursday on the MEAC side. Let me go to you, Charles. What are your thoughts in terms of any of those games that you want to kind of dive into? had to catch the ball from somebody and it was the great Lily Titans. So just wanted to make sure I, I brought that out real quick. So uh but I like uh, this. See yeah. that's what you you can do that when you're doing live action. So you know you can really <laughs> let them know how it is. Good job, good job, Joe. No doubt, no doubt. But yeah, I think that was the one that jumped out of it. Obviously uh Alabama is the number two seed uh, falling yesterday. The Grammy Grammy played a tremendous game, a scrappy game. And they knocked off uh, a team that I thought uh, could, you know, present some issues uh, to the number one seed at uh, that state. So that state doesn't have to worry about Alabama. Let me go to you, Professor Drew. Before you do that, let me give you an update in terms of the evening session. You have Morgan State, 66, South Carolina State, 56. That's with 838 left in the second half. So that's about um, – three quarters of the way through. So we'll give you the update and see how that's going. In terms of the games from Wednesday and early Thursday morning, uh, morning games, thus far, what are your thoughts on any of these games, Professor Drew? Uh, number one, uh, did I tell y'all Grambler was going to be the team to watch in the bottom half of that SWAT bracket? You sure did, on, and on, I agree on, with on, you. On the, uh, what, what day was that? We, we did so many shows this week, Doc, but whichever day that was, <laughs> I told Tuesday, you, Grand- okay, Grambling was going to be the uh, the team to watch uh, on the bottom half. It would be the one that could sneak out of there and present problems to either Texas Southern or Alcorn uh, if, if those two teams come out uh, on on top. But that also brings me up to my next point. What kind of legs will these two teams have in this semifinal game on tomorrow after being tested in the first round? That's going to be a real interesting thing. Thank God. Maybe uh, the SWAC knew what they were doing by having the ones and the twos play and get the day off uh, so that they have a chance to recuperate and uh, and get their legs back up under them because both those teams were pushed to the wire on yesterday. Also, I, I agree with Charles. I thought Alabama A&M, uh, especially as hot as they were coming down the stretch, was going to be one of those teams that uh, was going to be there to challenge Jackson State. So with Alabama A&M gone, I really think if anybody is left that can challenge Jackson State on the women's side, it's probably uh, Alabama State. That's probably the only team that I could see left that could possibly challenge uh, Jackson State on the the women's side. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, y'all. They already knocked off UAPB. Alabama A&M is gone. I think Alabama State definitely is I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, Alabama They've come in now. To my far right, Jackson State, they've been taking in this game all game throughout. Women are also located over there in the corner, so I tell you what, a lot of our teams have interest in this 4-5 matchup, so definitely want to bring that out. Yeah, I like that. And Texas Southern had their close game with uh, Jackson State. You know, is that something they can do? Potatoes a question. Speaking of Texas Southern, as they're playing now, the Texas Southern men had a big interest in that 4-5 Southern Grambling game that Drew talked about. Keep your eyes on Grambling. So it's interesting in that matchup. Obviously, things don't go to play, but uh, – was it one of those things where you would think Texas Southern was pulling for Gramlin and you'd be like, watch out what you asked for? Because they've defeated Gramlin twice, but they lost to Southern twice. 
So it'll be interesting when you kind of have these little mix and matches that you're thinking about as things are going on. So that's fascinating to me. Um, and so, Charles, before we get into these games on particular Friday games, and then we'll uh, make sure that people know where they can catch the championship game and the rest of the tournament. Uh, with the Tigers back here messing with Charles, I like it. I like it. hero, <laughs> big Tigers. Look at it. Um, and, and it was, it's been <laughs> in terms of institutions bringing their cheerleaders. Uh, Alabama State even brought their band. Obviously, short drive. But you've seen Texas Southern bring their cheerleaders in uh, mascots there. You've seen Prairie bring their cheerleaders in long distance. They came in yesterday to support the men's and women's team. So it's good for those that have come in early. Not only so much to cheer on the folks, but it's great because they're giving these students a different experience about traveling, getting to go to a different city for a lot of them. First time some of them staying in hotels uh, in these things. So it's good. And would love to see the fact that even some of the student pet bands, I know they used to travel, to see if we can see that come back. Talking about that is also a shout out to the city of Birmingham and those HBCU alumni that have brought their junior high and high school students out to some of these other games. I thought that was fascinating to see and a good look in terms of what's taking place there. Charles, give us an update real quick, and then we'll get into some of these matchups uh, that are coming up based on what is taking place. Yeah, this game is tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tigers ball. On top of Texas Southern, right at the six-minute mark in the third quarter. Interesting. It's one of those games. It'll be like that. Obviously, hey, go ahead. I, I, I was going to ask y'all a question before we get into the uh, next portion. You know, this is the first time in a long while that the SWAC has played all the tournament games at one site. You know, uh, for the last number of years, the tournament, the opening rounds have been at uh, at the at the institutions, at the uh, higher seated institution. So, you know. I, obviously, it looks like early on this was a good move, but you know what? For, for me, not being there, can you kind of describe how, how how that has been different than the tournaments that you guys have been at in the past, and the atmosphere and all that stuff with these opening round matches all up on the one roof this year? I will say this: for me, it's pretty much what I've seen, and really, this is at any level that your early match of games Wednesday and Thursday. Um, are partially attended, especially the morning session, because you're talking about a culture and a community that has to work and do not necessarily like to take off other than when they're sick or they're planning to take family vacation. So they kind of save those times. Don't necessarily have those jobs where you can move around and, and take off and much more of that. So that's something in terms of fascinating to watch out what's going on there. So those are some things that I've seen across the board, but specifically here. Um, it will be more fascinating to see tonight with Alabama AM. and Thursday night, you have a team that should have a lot of fans in, in the Birmingham area. You might even get some people that come down from Huntsville. And then Friday is when it really starts to light up, certainly if there's a team from that region. So that's what I'm taking an a, a, a eyeball to see what takes place tonight. And certainly tomorrow, Saturday always does what it does. If anybody is less than five hours away, if their team's in the champion, you can bet that they're going to get up in the morning and travel to see their team. So that's really uh, a given in terms of what that looks like. But great question in terms of what's going on there. As we, you know, get to the last part of the show, the fourth quarter, as we like to say, kind of wrap things up. I did want to talk about the rest of the matchups. We told you about the Morgan State, South Carolina State score that's going on. Tonight you have the 3-6 matchup between North Carolina Central uh, on the men's side in Maryland Eastern Shore. Also on the men's side for the SWAT, uh, you have what we kind of talked about a little bit in terms of potentially attendance is Alabama A&M and FAMU. That's going to be fascinating because you have the newest program uh, in there. And actually, in a lot of ways, the last two of the four expansion programs are in this matchup. An uh, old uh, framework of the SIEC type of games that used to take up many, many moves ago. So some interesting to see what that looks like. Teams have been solid all year long. Two of the teams, Alabama A&M, has really played well of late. FAMU was steady all year long, so they have the upper seed. But it's one of those 
fascinating 6-3 matchup, so I'm interested in that. Now, to set things up for tomorrow in terms of what we have on the MEAC, you have uh, 11 o'clock a.m. ESPN Plus game that will feature the number one seed, Howard, versus Maryland Eastern Shore. Let me go to you, Drew. What are your thoughts in terms of that matchup? Will it stay chalk? Or could you see an upset? Well, any, anything is possible. You know, I uh, obviously, if I was uh, wagering on that game, I would put my money on the uh, on the Bison. But because uh, <laughs> when you think about it, you had that those one through three that were they were tied. You know, in a very reactive way, you had seeds one, two, and three with identical records. You had number four right there just behind them, a game or two behind those seeds. And then you had a drop-off. But who's here? One of those bottom four teams that we forgot about. So did was that all that they had? They got that, they got that one win, and now are they happy that they got that one win and return to reality? Or will Maryland Eastern Shore continue to play above their head. That's the question that has that has to be there. We know Howard is the more talented team, but do you do you uh, you know do you almost take your opponent too lightly? Because you know as well as I do, if you let a back, if you let a team that should not be playing with you stay around too long, anything can happen. And in the second semifinal, I mean, look, the, these teams. Number two and number three easily could be the number one. So this that might be the championship matchup uh, mm. per se. Good point. Good point. Charles, that second matchup he's talking about is the number two Norfolk State team faces the number three Morgan State team. Obviously the one versus five because of the slight upset. You had Howard and Maryland Eastern Shore. Tell me your thoughts on these two matchups. That uh, two versus three is a one o'clock game on ESPN Plus. Uh, you broke up on the women. Uh, we're talking about the men or the women. It's the women. The women, uh, number one, Howard versus number five, Maryland Eastern Shore. And then you have also on the women for the MEAC is the number two, Norfolk State versus the number three, Morgan State. Uh, I think the Norfolk State, Morgan State is an interesting matchup. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with the higher two than that one. Uh, and definitely with uh, with regards to Howard and Maryland Eastern Shore. Although Maryland Eastern Shore may be yeah, I'll tell you this, if uh, if Instagram and, and how you entertain your fans and a group of ladies that are having a great time as they playing a collegiate basketball, I give a shout out in terms of that may be the reason I give them the edge as I follow them on Instagram and they're always doing the nice little TikTok dances. They do it uh, in such a positive uh, way. Obviously, in terms of the swag, also with the women. You have the number four Alabama State team against the number seven because of that upset of Grambling State. That is an 11 o'clock game, also on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, obviously, you have the number one Jackson State team at 530, which will face off against the number three versus number six. Before Utah's answer that question, give us an update in terms of the score and then tell us your thoughts on these two matchups for the SWAT. Yeah, the score right now uh, is tied up 39-39. Uh, Southern has gotten themselves right back into this game with Texas Southern. Uh, when you take a look at the matchups uh, tomorrow, I, I think it's Jackson State versus Illinois. Uh, I think they have faced adversity going down the stretch, and they have answered the call. So I uh, think going forward, a whole lot more confident with Jackson Good stuff, good stuff. Who hit the big basket? Who just scored? She yeah. heard it. Texas Southern just knocked down a three, so the score now is 4239, 256 left. Oh boy, it's gonna be a good one. Gonna have to get off this show so we can see my eyes on that. With that being said, let me go to you, Drew. I just told you SWAC, four versus seven, Alabama State, Grambling State. Uh, number one, Jackson State is waiting 
on the number three versus number six. It looks like it may go down to the wire. Look at the type of action the women uh, hustling, getting on the court to get it done. What are your thoughts on those two matchups? Uh, the the matchup favors the team yeah, that played on Wednesday. The, the, yeah, team I mean, that, the team that played on Wednesday. I like that you brought that up. Because, because. And if you can get the upset, you get to stay off your feet for an extra exactly. day, kind of scout the teams you're going to play and see what they're doing. Get the weaknesses in terms of live scouting that to set you up for Friday. Great point. Continue with it. Yeah, that 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 that's what I was gonna get with. And, and, and when you go back and look at it, Grambling women played Wednesday. They they they'll be playing uh, Alabama State, who played today, who who was tested today, two point basketball game. So you know how how quickly can they, how quickly can they re- recover and play? And correct me if I'm wrong, Doc. That's a that's an early game. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, the Grambling in Alabama State is eleven o'clock, eleven a.m. game. So uh, just while over the Jackson State game goes to five thirty. Yep. Right. So maybe not not quite not quite twenty four hours of recovery time. So you know, I, and it was you not being on campus. Being able to get get those treatment, get the cold tub, and get get some of those other things that you would normally do on campus to help your body recover fast, and especially when you're not used to playing back to back because the SWAC schedule really does not call for back to backs uh, in their schedule. How quickly can right. those teams who play today recover? That's gonna be the question. Let me jump in real quick, AD. Let me jump in real quick. He uh, took the position up 45 43. Uh, Southern went up uh, by Watt for the first time tonight, but Houston uh, by uh, Tinker Cooper. Duke is the only nine players uh, that I'll tell you what. Uh, awesome. She has 15 points. All right, let's go into our last. Uh, oh, good stuff. Let's go into our last discussion in terms of the men's side of these semifinals. Uh, we have the number one Norfolk State against number four, number five. Um, that's going on now, as I told you, in terms of uh, what's taking place. And it looks like it's going to be Morgan State. Then you have number seven with the upset over Howard College. State is waiting on the number six and number three team, which is a 730 game, which will be fascinating when you talk about what's going to go on there in terms of that matchup. And that's going to be North Carolina Central versus Maryland Eastern Shore versus um, the SWAC. Uh, you have Grambling State. Well, let's go ahead and look at the MEAC. Uh, let me stick with you, uh, Drew, in terms of those matchups on the MEAC side, uh, semifinals. What are your thoughts in terms of these potential matchups as they seem to be shaking out? Uh, the Morgan State-South Carolina State game is tightened up. It's 74-71, to 71, Morgan State over South Carolina State. That has two minutes left in the game, so it looks like it's going to go to the wire. Uh, and then, again, as I told you, you have Maryland, Eastern Shore, and North Carolina Central. Uh, versus Coppin State. Anything gives you pause in terms of what's maybe up in store for these semifinals on the men's side for the MEAC? Well, I, I expect Norfolk to go ahead and come on out of, the, of their semifinal. And, and, and now you have uh, you have Central versus uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. Maryland Eastern Shore. You expect Central to win that game? And just because you expect Central to win that game, Maryland needs to show up for being the finals against Norfolk. <laughs> I love it. It is one of those years. Um, uh, let me go to you, Charles. As you talk about the MEAC semifinals, let me also give you a key in terms semifinals for the SWAC. At least one of them is locked up. That is that two versus five, Texas Southern versus the Grambling. Uh, Texas Southern has handled Grambling this year. The Tigers, Grambling is playing really yeah. well of late. At least they play well against Southern. They're going to be feeling good about themselves. They're going to want this opportunity to see if they can get over to a championship game. And obviously, you have the number one seed, and waiting for the nightcap of three versus six, which is FAMU and Alabama AM. What are your thoughts in terms of these potential semifinal matchups heading in tomorrow, what you're hearing? Before I do that, you still have Morgan State well, 74 to 71 with 147 left in that matchup. 
Uh, definitely, uh, I want to catch the nightcap without running but I, I think going forward, this is Texas Southern's uh, tournament to lose. They uh, can throw so much height at you and can beat you up on the board. It's sort of the same thing uh, going forward. They really can second chance points to the with those extra seconds. Uh, so when I take a look at the height uh, of Texas Southern, their beards, their front court, Good stuff, good stuff. Let me remind everybody that uh, follows us in terms of the MEAC. Saturday, all this will be decided, and you will have your women's championship on ESPN Plus at 3.30. The men's championship will be on ESPN 2 at 1 o'clock. For the that's ESPN Plus, and you have the men's championship at 5 o'clock which will be on ESPNU. We'll be here live to cover it all. We might sneak and give you a little tidbit. We might do something short and sweet on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. Stick with us and just keep your attention early. We'll see if we can put a little uh, update to see if that can get done. Just kind of do a prelude to a championship of what to watch out and our thoughts when everything settles and all the dust settles between these Second half of the quarterfinals today, moving into the semifinals tomorrow. We'll give you that. Before we close out, Charles, give us the final update. Yeah, 20 seconds left here in the third quarter of action. Texas Southern is up on 748 to 45. Man, this is close. going down. All of y'all after we sign off, make sure you go in and watch these games, whether you're watching the MEAC or the SWAC. Let's make sure we do our part by signing in and watch when we can on the streaming platforms. If you're not here, live in the area and coming to the game yourself. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yadakabil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Appreciate the Professor Drew behind the scenes getting it done, but also coming in as that clinical professor as he does. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Shout out to Gotti Warwema. Hope you enjoyed that interview in terms of, I guess, giving you some insight in terms of some of those uh, that have brought down the Nets themselves and experienced a championship in the Southwest Athletic Conference and playing overseas as a professional. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBC Sports Lab 1, Facebook, Sports Lab on YouTube and Facebook. Maybe continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Lecture. Dismiss. We're holler. The Home Depot. Nike.